Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Happy holidays. Glad you could join us. Happy New Year's Eve to you. Happy 2012 if you're listening to us after New Year's Eve. Coming up, we're going to continue to count down our top 20 sports business radio stories of the year. Last week, we gave you stories 20 through 11. This week, we'll bring you the top 10 sports business radio stories of the year 2011. Our crack staff, our esteemed experts have put together this list. You may agree or disagree with the stories that are on the list or the order of the stories. And I'll tell you, Griggs, Brian Griggs joining me, uh, this was really hard to put these in order because the top 10 stories, especially the top five, really could have gone in any order. But uh, there were a few that really stood out as the top sports business stories of the year 2011, so those are the ones we went with. Yeah, you definitely, definitely you know, mold this over uh, between our, our staff and figured it out. And there was healthy debate. Oh, yeah, healthy debate. And, you know, like you said, the top ten, you got your biggest stories, they kind of write themselves, but yeah, so putting them in order where it gets confusing. But I think we came up with a great, uh, great top ten here. So if you agree, disagree, want to tell me I'm an idiot, anything like that, brian at sportsbusinessradio.com, that's my email. You can visit my Sports Business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can become our Facebook friend or follow me on Twitter. You can find those links on the homepage of sportsbusinessradio.com. My Twitter handle is at SB Radio. I tweet prolifically. Coming up, the countdown begins the top 10 sports business stories of the year 2011. That's coming up next. Happy holidays from all of us at Sports Business Radio. We're counting down the top 20 sports business stories of the year. The show continues after this. It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages, and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. 
The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Let's begin the countdown of the 10 biggest stories in sports business in the year 2011. I'm being joined by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. And uh, let's start with story number 10, the U.S. Women's World Cup. What a thrilling event, Griggs. And it ended with the Japanese women beating the U.S. women in the final in penalty kicks. Thrilling game. The game earlier in the tournament that the U.S. played against France, one of the most unbelievable games that you will ever watch. So all the way around, great TV ratings, good attendance at the event, and uh, really Rave reviews for the U.S. Women's World Cup. Yeah, and something I normally have not been into, and I started watching it there in the latter part of the the season, and yeah, it was phenomenal. I mean, the penalty kicks coming down the wire on, on most all those games in the World Cup, I swear they were down to the last couple seconds every time. And yeah, it was it was exciting. It's it's always fun rooting for your USA team, you know, and, and uh, cheering for them, and uh, definitely a fun thing to watch and some great, great entertainment. And uh, there were some stars that were made from this event. The... U.S. women's team, Hope Solo, became a a sex symbol. She went on Dancing with the Stars. She was in ESPN, the magazines, the body issue. So, And then there were some other players that uh, got a lot of publicity as well. So good for women's sport, good for the growth of soccer in the United States. And then, look, how can you not be happy for the Japanese women with the tsunami that hit Japan earlier in the year? They rallied around their country. They won unexpectedly. No one picked Japan to win at the beginning of the tournament. So really good story from that angle as well. Yeah, you always like seeing that. I mean, it's kind of that Cinderella story type thing where you feel good, even if you know our team, maybe the USA team, didn't win. Uh, having a team like Japan win after what they had been through as a country, and uh, you know, and sports over there too, they rally so much as a nation behind their teams. And we see it with Yao Ming in the past, and, and the Houston Rockets, and, and and people like that. It's just their whole nation just gathers around that team. So you know, everybody was watching that that match against the USA. And then Germany did a great job as the host country for the Women's World Cup. So kudos to the organizers there. Anytime you put on something like the Olympics or a World Cup, it is a big undertaking. And Germany did a great job hosting the 2011 Women's World Cup. Our ninth biggest story of the year 2011, Dirk Nowitzki carries the Dallas Mavericks to the NBA championship, his first ring. Mark Cuban, the owner of the Mavericks, first ring. And they beat the Miami Heat. And many people thought the Heat would win it all. They thought they would win this series. But Dirk Nowitzki, Jason Kidd, Sean Marion, a lot of guys won their first ring. It was good to see. Yeah, it was. And and you're right. Dirk carried that team on his back. He had a phenomenal, phenomenal playoff series. Every one of them. But, I mean, especially that last series. But, I mean, just his free throw percentage. I mean, he was solid. Every time you couldn't foul the guy because he'd make his free throws. You know, and that that killer turnaround fadeaway jumper that you cannot defend, uh, just solid in game after game after game, and sweeping the Lakers. I mean, a phenomenal Dirk Dirk show, and you know, Jason Kidd can still ball out there. He was running circles around everybody. It was uh, it was fun seeing Dallas win, and Cuban's fun. I mean, you got to get excited, even if you can't stand him. He's fun to watch because he gets so into his team. It's great. Well, and Cuban was interesting during the playoff run. Usually very outspoken. He was very understated. He brought up Donald Carter, the original owner of the Mavericks, for the trophy ceremony when the Mavericks won, which is a class move and won points with a lot of people. So, uh, you know, look, I think Mark Cuban is one of the best owners in all of sports, 
and he put a lot of time, energy, passion, and resources into winning a championship. It was good to see him win his first championship. The Miami Heat, a disappointment for them, but uh, I think they're the prohibitive favorites for 2011-2012. They return their core. Um, but, you know, look, Dirk Nowitzki, he will always be a champion now. You can't put him in the classes. Pat Ewing, Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, John Stockton, some of the great Hall of Fame players who never won the big one. Dirk won it, and he was the primary reason they won it. Like you said, this guy hit shots down the stretch in the fourth quarter. When you needed the big basket, Dirk Nowitzki came through time and time again. And even though uh, Dirk did carry the team, they played as a team. I mean, Jason Terry, he had some amazing games, 30-point games. I mean, uh, as a team, I think Dallas just just rallied together and uh, great fan base down there, too. Uh, it was fun to watch. And, you know, I mean, they beat my Portland Trailblazers, but hey, they were a fun team to watch. Exciting team. Very offensive, you know, very good on the offensive side, fun to watch defensively. And it was a great, great finals. Well, and if you look at 2011 for the city of Dallas, think about this. They host the Super Bowl in February, even though it was icy cold. The Dallas Mavericks win the World Championship, and the Texas Rangers go to the World Series for the second year in a row. Not a bad sports year for the city of Dallas. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, I can't imagine if I had all those teams in my one city. I mean, man, you got, you're got you a sports fan, you're in heaven right there. Our eighth biggest story of the year 2011 Conference realignment, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the Big 12, the ACC, the Big East. I mean, you name it, Griggs, there were teams that were realigning. We saw enormous TV deals like we did in the Pac-12 that really changed the balance of power. Uh, And you see teams in the Pac-12 getting $21 million a year per team for the years going forward as part of this deal. That's a lot of money that helps affect your athletic department. We've seen coaches that were hired with the extra money. Facilities get better. Um, You know, Syracuse left the Big East. They were just an iconic team in that conference. So lots of musical chairs. And I don't know that I necessarily liked it, but uh, it made... 2011, very interesting to talk about. And you know what it did, too, is it kept the, when football season wasn't going before it started this year, it kept people talking about it. I mean, I back when it first started around in our part of the woods here in Portland, you know, Pac-12, Pac-16, there was rumors of Texas and Oklahoma coming and big things like that. And that kept uh, everybody focused on college football. So on that side of it, I think it was cool because people were focused on the game when the game wasn't even being played. And like you said, too, about the Pac-12 TV deal, I think it helps the, the smaller schools, too, like, you know, Oregon States and the Washington States, too, because they're getting some money to advance their um, facilities and you know other th- parts of the school. So I think the TV deal, stuff like that, with the conference realignment things, is going to help the schools in, in the long run for sure. I agree. I think it's sad some traditions, again, like Syracuse and the Big East, are out the window, and fans never like to see that. But, you know, hey, there's some new traditions that will be started. Like you said, there's more money. Um, boy, there's a lot of schools out there that need some updated facilities, and this TV money for many of these conferences will allow them to uh, rebuild their facilities, so that's a good thing. And it's exposure, too. I mean, like Pac-12 deal, you're going to see sports on, on the that TV channel that you don't normally even see or even hear about in the universities. It's more than just football or basketball, you know, so you're going to get, you know, these athletes are going are gonna to be seen on TV by more people, and it's going to help with recruiting because you're going to see, I mean, people across the nation are going to be able to see some schools that they've heard about maybe but haven't really seen anything live on. So I think on that side of it, too, you're going to have um, some contributions, too. It was just weird to see like Nebraska play in the Big Ten this year 
after such a long time in the uh, Big 12. All right. So coming up in our next segment, we're going to continue our countdown of the top sports business stories of the year 2011. And like I told you at the top of the show, we're really getting into the point where these could go in almost any order. Big stories of the year, and our team had a hard time deciding what order these should go in. Uh, You may agree with us or disagree with us, but uh, let's just give you this as a hint. There were many scandals that rocked the sports world this year, and there were lockouts. And the lockouts made big, big news this year, and in many ways made more news than anything that took place on the field of play, if that gives you any kind of a teaser as to what our list looks like the rest of the way. We are now down to the top seven stories of the year in the year 2011. I'm Brian Berger, and you're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is SBR's top 20 sports business stories of the year. More of the countdown next. About those presents underneath the Christmas tree. See, I just want you for my own. More than you could ever know. Make my wish come true. You know that all I want for Christmas is you. For much this Christmas I won't even wish for snow No, I'm just gonna keep on waiting Underneath the mistletoe There's no sense in hanging stockings There upon the fireplace Cause Santa, he won't make me happy With a toy on Christmas Day Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bowl Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. We're continuing our countdown of the top 20 sports business radio stories of 2011. We are now at story number seven, the Los Angeles Dodgers. What a mess this once proud franchise was this past year. Griggs, it all started with the divorce of owner Frank McCourt from his wife, Jamie. They were both pretty intimately involved in the day-to-day operations of the team. Then when they got divorced, it was a power struggle for who was going to own the team. And it's pretty much ended with McCourt agreeing, Frank McCourt agreeing to pay his ex-wife, Jamie, $131 million as part of their divorce settlement. And the 
sale of the team needs to take place by uh, April 30th. It'll probably be done by auction, much like the sale of the Texas Rangers, which came down to a bidding war between Nolan Ryan and Mark Cuban. Nolan Ryan won when Mark Cuban backed out. But you've got Fox is involved in this, and you know there are groups that have stepped forward. Magic Johnson and Stan Kasten have said, hey, we'd like to buy the team. Steve Garvey and Oral Hershiser have said they'd like to buy the team. Major League Baseball has their work cut out for them, making sure they identify a good ownership group to take this team on in the future so you don't have a repeat of this embarrassing fiasco at Dodger Stadium. And, you know, attendance sharply decreased this year for Dodger games. A, first game of the year, you had a beating of a man in the parking lot at Dodger Stadium. And then the Dodgers had to ramp up security, and a lot of people didn't feel safe going to the games. But then a lot of people just stopped going to the games as a statement to Frank McCourt. Frank McCourt, we don't like how you do business. We're not going to the games. I always say in sports, if you want to make a statement to ownership, you want to see changes with the team, stop going to the games. Speak with your wallet, and that will get people's attention. Yeah, I totally will, and and you're right. And another uh, owner, too, the p- potential owner is Mark Cuban, too, which we talked about in, uh, back in a couple segments ago with Dallas Mavericks. But, you know, he, he would be a great owner, too, and there's a lot of them in that in that pod that would be good. It'll be interesting to see who ends up with it and how they end up with it if it comes down to a bidding war like the, the Rangers and all that. But uh, another thing, too, I mean, this takes the cake for the year of the soap operas. I mean, we've had so many soap operas this year of sports stories where it's like the up and down, like this one with the McCourts, where it's, you know, a family d- relationship, a marriage that's that's involved in it just as much as anything else. And what a divorce settlement, 130 million bucks. Wow. Well, and the people who won in this were the lawyers. I mean, big time lawsuits. Some people say the McCourts are addicted to litigation. I would probably agree. Between beating each other up in court, uh, the Dodgers filed bankruptcy. They were in court with Fox. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. So the proposed sale of the team would be the team Dodger Stadium, but not the parking lots and land surrounding the stadium, which are owned by a separate company that is also controlled by McCourt and not involved in the bankruptcy. So, you know, Major League Baseball and McCourt have been going back and forth because Major League Baseball essentially wants to take the keys to the car away from the McCourts, get them to a new responsible owner, and restore pride to this once-proud franchise. Yeah, and it's it's crazy, like you said, that where it's split up, you know, where the the parking lot and the everything is owned, the 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 property is owned by somebody else, and then this is owned by somebody else, and it just makes more for a disaster. I mean, it could be Target Field and McDonald's parking lot down the road. I mean, it's just it's. But then, like you said too, McCourt's got their their fingers are all involved in this, so it's this whole process of clearing them away from it and getting new people in there to take over that you know takes some time. But like you said, they got till April thirtieth to move the team, and it's a mess because Major League Baseball should look back in hindsight and be ashamed of themselves, they basically let the McCords buy this team on their credit card. I mean, is that what it essentially came down to? They didn't have the cash to be able to, uh, you know, really make this a successful operation. So you're left with what you're left with. And hopefully on April 30th, the team will be sold and we'll have the next chapter in the history of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Our sixth biggest story of the year Our friends at Yahoo Sports were very busy this year, Brian Griggs. Uh, Scandals at Miami and scandal at Ohio State. And the scandals got progressively worse this year. You know, we started off, there was some talk at Oregon about uh, getting Willie Lyles and paying him to 
introduce you and bring you in contact with players. And then you go to Ohio State and you see there's uh, tattoos and uh, memorabilia being sold by players. Jim Tressel was fired as the head coach at Ohio State. But then Miami comes along and makes all those other ones look like nothing. And there was talk of even a death penalty at the University of Miami. Yacht rides, pregnancies, strippers, cash payments, and so many players involved. It wasn't like a few. It was like dozens of players, uh, current and former, at that program. And when you look and see the leadership of the University of Miami, for them to allow this to happen for as long as they did, oh my gosh. And it's such a storied program, too. I mean, Miami is such a huge university and has... You know, so many, so many great people that have come from that university, uh, athletes and, and the like and everything else. But, yeah, so many people involved, too. It's not one or two slaps of the wrist here. This is, like, massive amount of people with the crazy things. Again, it's like a it's like a TV series. I mean, the yachts and the strippers. And it's like, I mean, they could totally make a whole miniseries out of this or even more than a miniseries with Miami. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's like, uh, you know, Entourage or something on HBO. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know... I guess nothing should surprise us anymore when it comes to sports. But, uh, you know, terrific award-winning work by the guys at Yahoo Sports, specifically Charles Robinson, for uncovering the Ohio State scandal and the Miami scandal. And, you know, our thanks again to those guys for joining us on our show several times this year to really break down those scandals. It'll be interesting to see where the NCAA goes from here and where these schools go from here. We talked to President Emmert of the NCAA towards the end of the year. And, you know, the thing I like about President Emmert is he realizes the NCAA has work to do. He sees all these scandals. He's not trying to stick his head in the sand. He knows enforcement needs to be ramped up. And he knows that changes need to be made to the rule book. And I think in 2012, we're going to see some of those changes. Emmert has been really good about getting things pushed through to make swift changes on some things, including compensation to players uh, for their scholarships. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch and see what happens in 2012. Yeah, and I think you hit on two things there, too. I think the big things are the rule book changes and then the enforcement is making it happen. Because we're seeing that, obviously, these universities, some major universities, are having some issues. And I think we're just seeing the surface of some of this stuff, too. I think Miami, Miami was a big one that kind of opened up the eyes, like, wow, there's a lot of stuff going on. But, yeah, I think uh, I think those are the two main ones, is getting that rule book rewritten and something that is enforced. And they're going to have to, to ramp up the staff. I mean, as we talked about with Charles Robinson, some of the Yahoo guys, I mean, there's not much staff there for the NCAA to go out and get these people. They're going to have to, to ramp that up if they're going to bring these schools and more schools down. Either that or I think what would be an even better idea is to farm it out to a third party. So an independent third party is now going to handle your enforcement. Uh, You make sure that they're equipped to do so, and then you let them go do their job. And it doesn't look like there's anything, uh, you know, everything's on the up and up. So we'll see what happens there. Our fifth biggest story of the year 2011, a sex scandal, and it involved Bernie Fine, the 36-year assistant coach of Syracuse University basketball, uh, really the right-hand, my, right-hand man for Jim Beheim, head coach at Syracuse. And, you know, there were several alleged victims that came out and said they were molested over a period of time by Bernie Fine. Very disturbing allegations. These came on the heels of the Jerry Sandusky 
allegations, which we'll get to later in the show. But, uh, you know, there's a five-year statute of limitations in the state of New York for being able to prosecute someone like Bernie Fine. And that five-year period passed. So now it's going to be up to the feds and the Secret Service to prosecute Bernie Fine if indeed he is guilty of these allegations. Yeah, and it's just another one of these stories like we've talked about over and over with uh, Sandusky. It's just so disturbing to talk about. And somebody with that high of a ranking, you know, in such a big, you know, it's a big city, a big state. It's, uh, it's a big area, a big market. And uh, 36 years, you know, that's a long time being in, the, uh, in that university and coaching and then seeing him. You know, these allegations start to come out, and, and yeah, I, people don't make this stuff up, I don't think. I mean, it's something's obviously going on. It's not like somebody just says, hey, this guy did this to me. So it's going to be interesting to see where that one and the and the Penn State stories continue to grow, because every day it seems like something new is coming out on these. Well, and I'll tell you what, with the Fine and Sandusky allegations, we just talked a minute ago about what happened at Miami and Ohio State and Oregon. Those pale in comparison to what we saw at the end of the year at Penn State and Syracuse. These are sick, grotesque acts that are criminal acts, and if they are indeed true, boy, the NCAA, every university in America really needs to examine what's going on on their campuses. And then, oh, by the way, you might want to have some crises plans in place. The way that Penn State handled their crises, the way that Syracuse handled their crises, not very well. And, you know, when I talked to President Emmert, he said this should be a lesson to every university president. They should have a crisis plan in place in case something like this ever happens. Yeah, they should have it in place. And also it, it shows, I think, some of these universities, some of these people have kind of gotten the mentality like, I'm a star, I'm kind of a big name, and things can slide past me. Well, they operate in a bubble, Griggs. Exactly. That's the problem. Yep. They're in their own little world. Yep. You know, Penn State is in their own little world. Syracuse is in their own little world. Ohio State's in their own little world. Everyone thinks that, well, you know, I'm the sheriff in town. The rules don't apply to me. Well, Jim Trestle's gone. Joe Paterno's gone. Bernie Fine is gone. And I think what we learned this year is that the rules do apply to you. All right, coming up next, our top four stories of the year, according to our crack staff here at Sports Business Radio. We will reveal them to you. I know you've been waiting anxiously for the top four stories of the year. We've got them for you coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Happy holidays from Sports Business Radio. More of our countdown of the top 20 sports business stories of the year coming up next. Just like the ones I used to know Where the Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes 
and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We're back and we've got our top four sports business stories of the year 2011. The fourth biggest story of the year, Major League Baseball signs a new collective bargaining agreement and they do it, Griggs, in a quiet manner. Their CBA was set to expire in December, but we didn't hear the back and forth between owners and players that we heard in the NFL and the NBA with Major League Baseball. So, you know, don't look now, but Major League Baseball has had more consecutive years of labor peace than any other U.S. sports league. Yeah, it's kind of, and that's kind of shocking. When you, I mean, you step back and think about it, you're like, oh, I guess that is true. And and I think I think uh, the MLB kind of benefited because of all the NFL and NBA lockouts, and baseball just kind of slid underneath it and took care of it without even really being in the media. I mean, it was kind of like a little blip on the TV. Oh, and uh, MLB signs da 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 da, and uh, you know, to their credit, and, and Buzz Selig and the whole league for getting it done quickly and, and quietly. And there are going to be some changes. The Houston Astros will move to the American League. We're going to see expanded playoffs starting this year. We'll see some. Video replays. Uh, the favorite clause I liked in this, though, is that players are not allowed to have tattoos with corporate logos on them. So, you know, if you were a player and you were thinking of going and getting a tattoo of a corporate logo, oh no, you can't do it now. That's a funny one. That's one of those random little, like you hear those little those state laws that you're like, that's a law in the state. You can't, you know, spit out your window or things like that. That's right. kind of one of those things where you can't get the corporate tattoos. But I like the extended playoffs, you know, and, and, uh, the replay, I'm a little worried about because uh, I think baseball is the only sport that's kind of remained natural of the big ones where they don't have the replay on every play. Yeah, but get it right. I mean, the yeah, NFL get it, gets it right. True. Tennis gets it right. The NBA, they use it in certain occasions. In this day and age, there's no reason that you shouldn't use technology that's right there available for you to get the call right. Yeah. And Major League Baseball has been living in the dark ages in that regard. And that's true, and they have. <laughs> There's been some some badly missed calls. We've seen them. This year there was some, and, and in past years. So you're right. I think if it is done the right way and they use the right technology and it's, and it's done in an efficient, timely manner during the game where you're not taking five minutes to review a play, then yeah, it's, I'm all for it. The third biggest story of the year, 2011, the sickest, grossest story of the the year. Jerry Sandusky, the longtime defensive coach for Penn State, 52 allegations of child abuse and molestation, and you had 10 to 12 people come forward. This was a scandal that really rocked not just college sports, but sports, Griggs. You had this on you know, NBC, Sandusky's going on, doing an interview with Bob Costas. This is covered by CNN. There were riots on campus. And it all ended in the firing of longtime legendary football coach Joe Paterno at Penn State. Uh, January 11th, the trial for Jerry Sandusky will begin. But this is one of the ugliest stories you'll ever see. And 
the graphic nature of the story. I mean, when you're turning on the news at night or turning on Sports Center, whatever it is, and you're hearing just the graphic testimonies, the 23-page grand jury report, it was a really tough story to cover, and I can't even imagine how tough it is for the alleged victims and their families, and my heart goes out to them. Yeah, I agree. It's, it is just a tough one to talk about and hear about, and in uh, just the whole scenario, too, you know, where he lives on, on campus there, and overlooking a school, and, and things like that that come out that are just so disturbing, and I think it, and another thing of this story is it hits more than just a sports fan, because, I mean, I, mean, I know just in my life, my, my wife's not a big college football fan, but she's been following the story because right. she's a mom, she's a teacher, right. she has kids around her all the time. And, you know, he, she hears something like this and it's like instantly, your, you know, your warning bells go off like, wow, creep. And uh, and the story, just it just keeps getting worse and worse. You know, him pleading not guilty and he's got 52 or whatever people coming and saying, hey, wait, he did this. And he goes in there and says not guilty. You just, it's a weird one to, to discuss. It's hard. Well, and this is such a far reaching Story. I mean, you have politicians involved. You have people from the board of trustees involved, people from the athletic department involved. And I'm sure there will be more people that we find out were involved in new things. The Second Mile Foundation, um, judges that let Sandesky out on bail, and we find that they were linked to his Second Mile Foundation. I'm sure there will be more victims that come forward in the future. You're going to see civil suit after civil suit here, and it's going to be against Sandusky. It's going to be against Joe Paterno. It's going to be against Penn State. It could be against law enforcement officials. But uh, this story is far from over. We're probably going to be hearing about it for years to come as the layers are uncovered. And we talked about earlier, um, you know, Tony LaRusso going out the right way as a champion. And then you hear, you know, Joe Pa, who's even coached longer at the same place. And then him going out like this. I mean, it's just, I mean, I don't, I don't feel bad for him because I think he's made, obviously made some mistakes. But at the same time, you're like, wow, what a legacy he's left behind. And no one's going to remember his years of coaching now. They're going to remember this. They are. And, you know, you can have the statue on campus. You could have the Joe Paterno Child Care Center on the campus of Nike in Oregon. Uh, You know, he's had a lasting legacy with many players. But you're right. Everyone's going to remember this. This will be his lasting legacy. And look, this happened on his watch. And you have to take responsibility when you're a head football coach. Uh, He reportedly was alerted of some of these instances of abuse. He didn't follow up like he should have. Look, there's a moral obligation. There's a legal obligation. We talked about that this year. He did not fulfill his moral obligation, and we'll find out if he fulfilled his legal obligation. But he's no longer the coach at Penn State, and that school is going to have a long way back. They were not ready for a crisis like this, which is really amazing because if you talk to some of the reporters around that campus, they talk about how there were whispers about this going on for a long time, and they were caught completely off guard when, in fact, the story broke and they had to address what they were going to do with Joe Paterno and the future of that program. Our second biggest story of the year 2011, it was the NBA lockout. It lasted 149 days. We talked about BRI, basketball-related income. We talked about splits between the players and the and the owners. Is it going to be 50-50? Is it going to be 51-49 ad nauseum? We watched David Stern and Billy Hunter go at it. 
We watched Kevin Garnett drop into the conversation and scowl at people. We watched Derek Fisher, uh, you know, do his thing for the players' union. But finally, at the end of 149 days, they settled on a 66-game season, so they missed 16 games. They missed the preseason. There's going to be a ton of back-to-backs. There's going to be instances where teams are going to play three games in a row, and it's going to be a 66-game sprint. The season will start on Christmas, and it will end on April 26th. So it's going to be uh, kind of survival of the fittest there, Griggs. Yeah, it really is. And it's, I mean, if you're a basketball fan, an NBA fan, you're going to see a lot of hoops, you know, back to back to back. You're going to have a game on every night of the week, pretty much. I mean, it's going to be a lot of basketball. And on that side of it, it's going to be fun because you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of action. You're also going to see which players, you know, stayed in shape in this offseason during the lockout, you know, which people were training, were doing the right things, and which people were not because I think you're going to see more injuries probably in the early season especially because people are going to go out there and try to, you know, push it and uh, and that's, their body's not going to be ready yet. So that will be interesting to see too. But, uh, yeah, what a battle. I mean, the, the back-and-forth stuff. And uh, it's almost like you could make a, a video game, you know, EA Sports brings you NBA lockout. <laughs> you know, the battle of the owners and the and the players. It's crazy. Well, and the sad thing is when the lockout was over, things weren't that much different. There were still owners overpaying for players. The NBA and David Stern stepped in and nixed several versions of a Chris Paul deal, which made them look bad because the Hornets are owned by the NBA. What they should have done is just said, look, until the Hornets have new ownership, there will be no major trades, including Chris Paul, the face of the franchise. But they didn't do that. They allowed those trades to be consummated, and then they nixed the deal. And they could face lawsuits in the future. Chris Paul eventually wound up in Los Angeles with the Clippers, not the Lakers. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, it's been a rough, rough year for David Stern. It has, sorry. Yeah, it has been. And, and, and another thing, too, that I was going to talk about, too, is it'll be interesting to see how the fans rebound, too. Like, are these stadiums going to be selling out, especially the smaller markets, you know, the Sacramentos and the Clippers? And the Clippers got, got Paul and Blake Griffin now, so that's going to help them on ticket sales. But I'm interested to see that, how much the fans come back and are, hey, are really ready to play basketball, ready to watch the game, or are they going to kind of, you know, is it going to take them 30 games to get in the season before you start seeing those arenas filling up? Yeah, it's a good point because there were a lot of fans, especially ones that I talked to that called into my radio show that said, you know what, wake us when the deal's done. Um, We're tired of the millionaires fighting the billionaires. This is a tough economy. People just didn't have the stomach for this kind of battle. Our number one story of the year 2011 was the NFL lockout. 132 days, but no games missed for the NFL. And Griggs, the NBA, a healthy league, but there's no league bigger in the United States than the NFL. The NFL is king. And if they were going to miss any games, and they weren't going to be able to come to an agreement on really splitting billions and billions and billions of dollars, many people would not have had the stomach for that at all. I mean, even more so than the NBA and what we went through with them. At the end of the day, Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, played a big role in getting this done. Roger Goodell, Demora Smith, they came and, and got things done. Demora Smith pulled the decertification card early on, which was, I think, a pretty good move. The players came out with a pretty good deal. I mean, look, there was talk at the beginning they were going to go to an 18-game season. They weren't going to pay the players any extra money. I think the players came away with some good things, but the fans were the ultimate winners because there were no games missed. 
Yeah, I agree with you, and, and we've seen it in the NFL too. The fans are 100% in support this year. The 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 fan base is great. The ratings are great. Uh, the team. It's just been a fun year of football. Well, in a lot of ways, Griggs. The fans came back even hungrier this yeah. year because they felt like, okay, you know, really after the draft, we missed all this time during the lockout. So now we've got to condense all of our passion for the NFL into a short amount of time. And when the green light went on and the season started, fans were really ready to embrace the NFL. We've seen, you know, great ticket sales, really good TV ratings. By the way, speaking of TV, late in the year, the NFL extended their deal with CBS, NBC, and Fox to the tune of $24 billion for the next eight years. And you wonder why the league is so successful. That doesn't count their deal with ESPN, and it doesn't count their deal with DirecTV. So the biggest difference, as I always say on this show, between the NFL and any other league, if you're an owner in the NFL, you can pay your biggest expense, which is your team's payroll, just with your TV money. That is staggering, Griggs. It's just crazy. And and like we talked about earlier, too, with they're selling and people love the game. I mean, Tebow, you can't keep Tebow jerseys on the shelf. You know, NFL gets some of that stuff. I mean, it's just everything NFL, it's just a moneymaker all the way around. But yeah, the TV money, I mean, $24 billion is just unbelievable figure. And and you're right. I mean, the, the TV is what is what pays the deals, and it should because people are watching it. That's what people want to watch is the NFL. Well, and some great storylines in the season this year. You know, you mentioned Tim Tebow. The Green Bay Packers at this point are undefeated. Uh, you know, just a lot of really good stories in the league, and that has made watching the NFL even more entertaining this year. There you have it. Those are our top 20 sports business radio stories of the year for 2011. When we come back, we'll put a wrap on the final show of the year 2011 as we head into 2012 we'll give you our thoughts on some of the biggest stories that you should keep your eyes on for 2012 you're listening to sports business radio we're counting down the top 20 sports business stories of the year the show continues after this walking in a winter wonderland gone astray is the bluebird here to stay is a new bird he sings a love song as we go along walking in winter wonderland in the meadow we can build a snowman then pretend it's the age of new media and citizen journalism everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. This is Sports Business Radio. 
Well, it's our last segment of 2011. Some stories that we think you should keep an eye on for 2012. The biggest story of 2012 is going to be the Summer Olympics in London. Griggs, anytime you have an Olympic Games, it's a big, big story. Uh, Big time security in London for these Olympics. And uh, there will be lots of storylines. I'll be interested to see uh, what Michael Phelps can do in London as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting. In London, like you said, lots of security, big, big time area, big market. And uh, yeah, I love the Olympic Games. They're always fun to watch and see some athletes you don't get to see you know, in the normal uh, NFL-type uh, arena, so it's kind of fun. Other storylines, the trial of Jerry Sandusky will be getting underway January 11th. I'm sure that will be a big story. Peyton Manning, what do the Colts do with Peyton Manning? They owe him $28 million in March, or they can let him walk. What do they do? It looks like they're going to have the number one pick in the draft. Do they let Manning walk and draft Andrew Luck, or do they pick up the option on Manning and let him tutor Andrew Luck? Or do they keep Manning and trade the number one pick and rebuild around Peyton Manning? That will be interesting to see what the Colts do. I'll be also interested to see what the Los Angeles Angels do after spending a ton of money on Albert Pujols, 10 years, $250 million. They also brought in C.J. Wilson to the tune of $75 million over five years. So how will the Angels compete after spending that much money on their roster this year? And then Tiger Woods. Can Tiger Woods, who had a pretty good finish to the end of 2011, got the clinching point in the President's Cup, and also he won the Chevron Open, his first victory on the tour in two years, 26 tournaments. Can Tiger Woods turn things around and return to form in 2012? Those are some stories I'll be watching in the year 2012. Lots of thank yous to our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Jared Melzer, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, Doug Zanger, and Max Waterman. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Click on the iTunes icon on the front page of sportsbusinessradio.com to have our show downloaded to your iTunes every week. We'd love it if you post a review of our podcast on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. Be safe on New Year's Eve. Don't drink and drive. Party responsibly and safely. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you in 2012. Have a great week. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bowl Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.